0: How are you guys doing this morning? All right, now, um, I'm a children's pastor, as we just found out, and I deal with uh, more of an audience participation. Is that a word, participation? I just butchered that already. So you guys are going to have to wake up, because you're just not going to be able to sit back today. You're actually going to have to think. You're going to have to actually respond, okay? So this is how I usually start children's church, so we're going to start it again, okay? How are you guys doing today? Oh, that's better. That's more what we're looking for. And you know what? It's such an honor to be able to come up here and share a little bit with you guys, to be able to share part of my heart. Uh, This is a a great series that we're on, talking about the harvest. And Lord knows that the harvest is ready, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Um, We're new to this area. We actually honestly had never been to Kansas City, me and my wife, until we came and interviewed here. I drove through the city one time, a long time ago. There were tornadoes in the area. It was like 11 o'clock at night. We didn't stick around. Um, So we're really new here, kind of getting a feel for it. We really like this area. It's a great area. We're from Oklahoma. It kind of gives us kind of that feel a little bit. Uh, Really polite, awesome people. I mean, it was funny. My wife kind of pointed out, she's not used to going to the grocery store and looking at stuff and people coming up and randomly talking to you and not get out of my way, I'm trying to get this. Uh, Actually being polite of, oh, that's really good or this and that. Uh, It's a great area. Did a little bit of research. Roughly in the area that this church probably impacts, uh, Independence, Lee Summit, Blue Springs, some of those outlying areas, you're looking at about I uh, came up with about 305,000 people that live in this area, which is, it's amazing. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. So this church has a chance to influence 305,000 people. Now, some common statistics uh, that you'll find in churches around America and in communities around America, uh, I'm pretty sure hold true to this area too that you will find out that one-third of a community are devout Christians, that they'll go to church every Sunday. They believe the Word of God. They live out the Word of God. Amen. You find out about one-third, another third, they go to church every so often. They do their best, but you're not what you would call, and I'm going to throw quotation marks, devout Christians. That leaves one other third of the population don't go to church. Don't call themselves Christians. They're lost, as we would call them. Our Christianese word would be they're lost. Now, some of you guys are really smart out there. You've already done the math. That is 100,000 people that this church could reach. That's 100,000 people that are lost.
1: That's 100,000 people that if they were going to die today, they're going to go to hell. Let me get blunt with you. Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus doesn't want to see anyone
0: go to hell. And what is so amazing, it's scary, but at the same time, it's such a privilege that he gives us,
1: puny little me, the chance to share about him. I I, I
0: think about it. I try to fathom it. I try to get my head wrapped around it. I don't deserve it.
1: I got bad news. You don't deserve it either. But guess what? That's how it works. 100,000 people. The ground out there, it's, it's rich. It's ready to grow something.
0: All we have to do is we have to plant the seed. We have to plant the seed. Can you get someone saved? No, you cannot. I wish I could. I seriously wish I could, but I can't. All I can do is plant the seed. And it pushes me back to one of the parables of Jesus. When I think about sowing, it reminds me of the parable of the sower. And in this parable, Jesus speaks of four different grounds Talks about this guy comes along, wants to plant some stuff. He throws some seed out. Now, the first ground, the seed just like laying on top of the ground. And any of you guys have ever planted anything that doesn't work too well? For one, birds love to eat seed. So the birds, talked about Jesus said the bird would come along and devour it. Wouldn't do any good. The second ground was the stony ground. Now, he'd go and try to plant something. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have ever tried to plant or dig in a ground that's full of rocks, it's not fun. I know how to throw a pickaxe. And it is not fun. Trust me. You try to dig a hole this deep, you spend two minutes digging this much and about an hour and a half digging this much. But it talks about how if a plant is planted in this soil like this, it will instantly spring up. But it's not able to get roots that go down deep. And so eventually... It dies. The Jesus talks about the soil that when it's planted, it pops up, but there's all these thorns, weeds, thickets, you name it, it's there. I like to just call it brush. It pops up, but it can't grow because it's getting choked out by all the other junk. All this other junk is keeping it from growing. Then the fourth soil, and Jesus finally gets to the good news, is the good ground. Of course, it's the great, that black soil. You plant it in, it pops up, and it just grows and grows. Well, whenever I, th- I look at this parable, three of the four are bad. Three of the four grounds are bad. It's not going to work. Only one of them's bad. And if you know anything about planting, if you've ever planted a garden, You know, you just don't go out and just push your seeds in the ground and you're done. That ground requires a lot of work. And some ground requires a lot more work than others. And I think Jesus was trying to show us that sometimes you got to put a little sweat on your brow to get that seed to be able to grow. We look out in this community, you know, it's awesome. I love how we can go out here on this roundabout roundabout. I just said roundabout. And you can look out over the interstate, and you can see it's beautiful. You can see all of independence. 100,000 people out there. The soil is there. It requires some effort. It requires some work. Now, whenever I think about spreading seed, especially in the uh, spiritual sense, we'll say, I know that the church in the past has had several different ma- manners. Different Christians have had different ways of doing that. And let me throw out the disclaimer before I go any further. I'm not saying that these do not work, I'm sure that they do in some way or fashion. It's my opinion. Maybe I should have left it at the door, but I'm up here already, so I'm going to give it to you, anyways. And I have the microphone. That maybe these aren't the, the best ways. So I just, I, you know, I'm a children's pastor, I got to have objects sometimes. <laughs> A couple different ways I think that Christians sometimes think that you're supposed to spread seed. Now, this is one of our favorites, I think, is the big stick. Now, I know that we talk about the Word of God is a weapon. This is not the weapon that was meant to be going around bonking people on the head. Hey, stop that. I know you don't know Jesus. Stop that. Just for you, Mr. Paulson. Make, Make fun of my cowboys. Living in the past. But you know, sometimes Christians, they just, they, they love to the, the thump those sins. You know, we kind of have our, our, uh, our big sins. We kind of categorize it, don't we? We got our big sins. I'm not saying that uh, what people are saying are not true. Oh, no, I'm not saying that.
1: But you know, we, we love to point out how people are going to hell. You know, when... Uh, The second time I think it was when me
0: and my wife, we went down to the plaza. There was a church group that was down there. I don't know which church it was, but they were down there on a street corner and they were just going to town, just pointing out how people were going to hell. It made me almost cry. It really did because I was like, I feel like that that turns off more people. That shows them Jesus's love. They just love swinging that big stick. Now the other one, I'm not saying anyone in here has ever done this either. I I would never say such a thing. But we love to get up on our soapbox. And please, Lord, don't let me fall. And we love to sit up here, and we are going to give you our opinion. I am going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Do not ask me any questions, though, okay? Don't question me, because I am right. You are wrong. I am the mighty Christian. I do no wrong. You, on the other hand, are a sinner. We're going to get you straightened out.
1: You know I I've
0: seen that time and time again how Christians even sometimes churches forget that Jesus is love. Jesus, I don't know, this may be a revelation to you, but Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for sinners. So I just wanted to take a moment and just look at how Jesus spread seed. I'm gonna kinda of give you guys a news flash, and this is this is gonna be shocking. I know I'm saying this up here on the stage. Please forgive me. Please forgive me right now, Pastor. Will you forgive me for what I'm about to say? You sure? Okay, good. It's gonna be scary. Jesus did all these amazing messages. We had the Sermon on the Mount. You know, he spoke to large numbers of groups.
1: That is not how Jesus spread seed. Let me say that again. Jesus
0: did not spread seed in large group settings. If Jesus was here today and he was standing up here, this is not where that's done. It is not done up here. It's funny because you look in the Bible, he would give this amazing sermon and we look at it and we're like, oh, this is so good. This is so awesome. The people didn't understand it. It was time and time again, the disciples would come up to him afterwards. You know, I I can see this. I just kind of love picturing stuff in the Bible in my mind. I see the disciples behind Jesus and they're like nodding their head. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. We have no idea what you're talking about, but that's good. So they would get him beside and say, Jesus, can you explain this to us? The parable of the sower, that's a great one. He goes out and to us, it makes really good sense now. But back then, The disciples said, Jesus, we don't understand this. So I challenge you, I say, Jesus didn't do it in large group settings. Jesus spread his seed in really small groups and even one-on-one. One-on-one conversations. I think sometimes as a church, we feel like it's the pastor's job to get people saved. It's the pastor's job to lead people to Christ. It's the pastor's job to fill these seats. It's not. Newsflash is your guys's. And I'll tell you what, we do our best. We try to do our part too, because we're in it with you. We're not just saying it's just you. We're trying to live this out also. But it's not just us. Now, some different areas where Jesus tries to spread some seed. We're going to start on one that I think hits home with everybody. Because I think some of the hardest people to lead to Christ, to talk to about Christ, is some of your own family members. I think right now you can think of someone in your family that doesn't know Jesus. I think every one of us can. And we desperately want them to know Jesus. We desperately want him to change their lives. It may be a son, a daughter, brother, sister, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, I don't know, but we desperately want something to happen. Jesus was no exception. You know, it kind of makes me almost laugh because we, you know, we sit there and we are so hard on ourselves. Jesus had the same problem. Had the exact same problem. Looking in John 7. It's talking about, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Uh, Now the Jewish festival of the tabernacles was at hand. And his brothers therefore said to him, Hey, once you depart from here, go into Judea, that your disciples may also see your works that you're doing. For if no one... Does anything in, or for no one does anything in secret while himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, how many of you would probably have a brother, sister, someone that uh, if they had the chance to maybe get you killed by someone else, they would probably jump on it? I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's because, oh, Jesus, he never got in trouble as a kid. He was perfect. Oh, Jesus, son of God. Let's get him out of here. Go down to Judea. They want to kill you there. Go prove that you're the son of God. I don't know what's going on. And ultimately, in verse 5, it says, For even his brothers did not believe in him.
1: Some of Jesus' own family didn't even believe he's the son of God. He grew up with them. You would figure who did he have the most chance to talk to? His brothers. But I guarantee you, it doesn't say it in the scripture, but I just know the character of God.
0: That every time he was with his family, he showed them love. He showed them what it was to love God. He
1: walked that walk. And I guarantee you, he talked to them about it. See, sometimes when you plant that seed, it takes a long time. You ultimately find
0: out later on that his brothers do convert. They do believe. I mean, two of them actually write books in the Bible. And one of them is James, and it is like one of the fieriest books in the New Testament. I love the book of James. You can see that he is hardcore about it. But it took time. See, sometimes, especially in your families, all you can do is plant the seed. See, it talks about in the Word of God that sometimes some people sow, others reap.
1: You can't force anyone into Christianity. All you can do is plant that seed. You know, I said it earlier, but
0: Jesus came for sinners. And you look in the Bible. Jesus didn't come out and say, you're going to hell. He showed these non-believers love. The only time you really see Jesus kind of getting, quote unquote, bent out of shape was with the religious people, with the Pharisees, the people that should know better, the people that should have been reading the scriptures and saw him coming and see that he's fulfilling
1: scripture. But he always showed love. this group of people. You know what? Jesus sought the undesirable. It's just funny because
0: I think, you know, if Jesus was one to have the biggest impact, he could. Let's say in theory that Jesus showed up today, nowadays, and I got to choose who he got to go talk to. In my mind, I would be like, I want to get him with like the president, Congress, movie stars, all these big people. So that whenever their hearts are changed for, for good, it's going to have the biggest impact. It makes sense, right? That's not how Jesus operated. Jesus actually sought out the most undesirable people. The people that we nowadays
1: would say, they're too far gone. You're wasting your breath. They they won't take that. They won't listen. In uh, John four, it's the story of the woman at the
0: well. To kind of give you a little bit of background, she was a Samaritan, and uh, Samaritans and Jewish people really didn't get along, not one bit. Samaria was just this kind of, this little spot, just to give you a geography lesson, right in between Judea and Galilee. They believed, basically, in the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote. But then they kind of, um, how do you say this delicately, uh, subtracted and added what they wanted to from the word and added in some pagan stuff into it. Just kind of made religion the way they wanted to. Does that sound familiar to now? just kind of picking and choosing what you want out of the Bible. I wish that was the case. There were some verses I would definitely kick out and some definite ones I would definitely point out. But that's not how it works. Jews and Samaritans wouldn't even talk to each other. They wouldn't even share the same dish. If they knew a Samaritan used a dish, a Jewish person wouldn't even touch it. So we find out in John 4, John 4, 4, it's just funny because it says, but he needed to go through Samaria, because typically Jewish people would walk around Samaria. If they were going to go to Galilee from Judea, they would walk around it. Take twice as long. Not just that, it was more uncomfortable. It was like desert. So they were like, it was like they were putting themselves through this pain of just, oh, we dislike the Samaritans so much, we're going to take the long path around. We're the bigger person. We can do that. Not Jesus. Jesus needed to go
1: through Samaria. So we find out it's noon. Hot. They get to this well.
0: Jesus sits down at the well. The disciples are like, hey, we're going to go off and get some food. And Jesus is like, cool, I'll hang out here. That's exactly how Jesus said it too. Um, He's sitting there and he sees this woman coming with her pots. Now, to give you a little bit more background, that would have already set off some bells and whistles in Jesus' eyes. Because a person would come to a well, usually in the early morning or late evening, to draw their water. Because one, who wants to be out when the sun's the hottest? So it's already clear that this woman's not wanting to be around people. She's doing what she can to avoid people. And she's also a Samaritan. So she comes up, Jesus is sitting there, hey, give me a drink. She can clearly see he's Jewish. You you want me to what? You're you're Jewish. It's just funny. She's she's Captain Obvious, as I'd like to say. You're Jewish. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why would you ask me for a drink? And Jesus kind of takes that as the opening a little bit. Well, if you knew only the gift that God has for you, and who was asking
1: I would give you living water. And it's funny because he kind of goes back and forth a couple of times
0: about this living water and she just doesn't get it. Well, you ain't got a bucket, you ain't got a rope, you can't. How are you gonna get this living water? I love to have some of that so I don't have to come back here. And then finally Jesus gets real.
1: Go get your husband. Uh I'm not married.
0: And, of course, Jesus just absolutely reads her mail. Uh, Yeah, you're right. You're not married. You've been married five times, and, well, that guy you're living with right now, he's not your husband, so you're telling the truth. Her answer back is uh, priceless, absolutely priceless. Well, I perceive that you're a prophet. (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) And Jesus continues to share This is actually one of the few places in the Bible where Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it one bit. He reveals he is the Messiah to this woman. The most undesirable woman in the Jewish culture's eyes. Not only was she Samaritan, but she was an adulteress. She she had a lot of problems going on. He tells her he is the Messiah.
1: He came to save her. Disciples start coming back. They see this woman go running
0: off. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're talking to a Samaritan woman. Don't you know better? They don't even really question him about it. I just... But she goes off and she tells everyone. And I just love how, how it says in the Bible, hey, come see the guy that told me everything I ever did wrong. No thanks. <laughs> and He starts talking about a crowd, starts gathering in Samaria. Jewish people aren't supposed to be in Samaria. They're not supposed to be there, no. Jesus then talks to his disciples and he says, wake up and look around. The fields are ready, already ripe for harvest.
1: He's like, look around you. These people are coming out from everywhere. The fields are ready. What would happen if Jesus just... Skipped Samaria. He
0: did just like everyone else. He hung out with his clique of people. Talked to his normal people. Went his normal path, he always went. Didn't take time at that well. What if he went with the disciples to go get food, then just kind of hang out there in a public area?
1: What would have happened? Those people wouldn't have got to meet the Messiah the one that could change them. Jesus talked and sought out the most
0: unworthy of people, sinners. Talks about uh, one point in the Bible that Jesus was sitting down eating with some tax collectors and sinners. I love how they grouped those two together. If there's any IRS agents in here, I'm sorry. But (laughs) they, they grouped together tax collectors and sinners, and Jesus is
1: sitting down eating with them. Just having a meal with them. The Pharisees see this. What? Wait a minute. Jesus is, this, this guy here,
0: you're saying is the Messiah. He's hanging out with some of the worst sort of people. He's hanging
1: out with the tax collector. Ah! he's hanging out with these sinners. The most unworthy of people. Jesus kind of hears them and his answer is absolutely beautiful. Well, those who are well have no need the physician, but those who are sick do.
0: Let me tell you, in case you haven't realized it and you haven't turned on your TV, we live in a sick world. A sick world that needs a savior a sick world that needs a physician. And let me tell you right now, you just take a look around this room right now. You have to ask yourself
1: a question. Is this building a country club or a hospital?
0: Do you come here? And I'm going I'm to get real with you guys. I hope you'll still love me after this. If not, I'll pray for you. You have to ask yourself, do you come here to hang out with your friends to sit in your chair, worship was amazing today too, just FYI, absolutely amazing. But sit here during worship, thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Now, I'm not saying it's you shouldn't come here and expect to get fed, expect to get blessed. But is that your sole purpose of coming here? Is that the sole purpose why you're sitting in your chair? Or is this place supposed to be more like a hospital? Where the sick come. The sinners, the most unworthy of peoples, are not just
1: coming, but accepted. That are loved. That are shown Jesus' love.
0: I know this is a hard, this is so hard. It's so in your face,
1: too. And let me tell you, I'm not perfect at it. None of us are. But when you start viewing
0: people through the eyes of Jesus, when you subtract away what's on the outside, God can use you to do mighty things. He can use you to plant a seed in a ground that was so hard that. People before, time and time again are tried, but whenever you show that love, you soften that heart.
1: When you show love, hearts soften. Soft, soften. Is that even a word?
0: When I think about sharing with people, I, I go uh, to one of the great epistles. Uh, in Colossians 4, Paul is, uh, is writing, and he writes uh, in uh, verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart.
1: Every day, you should hit your knees and pray, God, I thank you
0: so much for what you've done for me. But not only that, I thank you for the opportunity that I
1: can share your word. I thank you for the opportunity that I can make a difference in my community. I thank you, Lord, that you are changing me so I can change others. It doesn't
0: mean you got to be perfect either. Guess what? I've already made up like two or three words today. I'm not perfect. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that should stop me from sharing. Think of the Samaritan woman. She was one of the biggest sinners in our eyes. She went around, she was spreading the word, come and see this guy, and she created a crowd, and I guarantee
1: you they were changed. She was one of the biggest sinners in our eyes. She could do it. Verse 3. Pray for us, too, that
0: God will give us many opportunities to speak about the mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Well, Paul lived it. He was in prison for sharing. He was in prison for sharing. It just blows me away. But pray for opportunities. I, I loved what Joe said last week. How sometimes we pray that we, uh, we're in a more Christian environment. Oh, Lord, send me to a workplace where Christianity is number one. Yeah, that sounds great, but who are you going to change there? Who are you going to affect? Who are you going to lead to Christ? You're like taking away your opportunities to be able to share. Pray every day, God, and I dare you. Oh, I dare you to do this, to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, prompt me to someone to share. Holy Spirit, show me someone that needs to hear a message from you today. Holy Spirit, I want my community to change. Use me. I promise you, you pray that prayer,
1: (laughs) he's going to live up to it. He will do it. Verse 4. Pray that I proclaim the message as clearly as I should.
0: Now, if God's going to throw you into the mess of talking to someone... Is he going to leave you alone and just leave you high and dry and say, let's see how Dennis over here. Hey, Dennis, why don't you go talk to those people over there? This should be fun. Let's see, let's see him struggle talking about this. No. The Holy Spirit's there to help you guys. Amen. He wants to give you the words to speak. You just have to pray to have that heart that's open, that's listening, that's saying, what do you want me to say to this person? Do you want me just to give them a hug? Do you want me to just tell them that I love them? Do you want me to tell them I care? Do you want me to do
1: something for them? Oh, heaven forbid, it costs me something. Pray that God will open up your heart and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. Verse five, live wisely among those
0: who are non-believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that they will have the right, so that you will have the right
1: response for everyone. Gracious and attractive. You know what? I'm
0: sitting up here. You can call me Pastor Jason. I'm preaching this and that. I don't have every word. I don't don't have every word. I don't know every answer of every question. I'm not the smartest person in this room. I'll tell you when I don't know. I don't try to make it up. I think people respect that. I think sometimes we feel like if we don't have all the answers, we don't need to go share. That's
1: not true. God wants us to show love. Not only that, there's an old saying that you catch more
0: flies with honey than vinegar. If you view Christianity, and this is sometimes hard for us that are Christians, Let me just come out here and say this. If you view it through the eyes of an unbeliever, what you're saying, the positives of giving our life to Christ, and this is through the eyes of an unbeliever, the positive of giving our life to Christ far outweigh the negatives of living the way I am now. See, we sometimes get kind of caught up on this negative thing of thinking, you got to
1: give your life or you're going to hell. You know what? You You need to change your ways because you're messed up. Where Jesus came to give us life and more abundant, He came to give us joy even in the morning. Even on Monday morning.
0: Come on, guys, you better wake up on that. That was good.
1: That was good. Jesus didn't focus on the negative.
0: The most you uh, ever really heard him say was typically
1: after he healed someone. He'd just say, stop sinning. I'm going to say something controversial again. Please forgive me, Pastor. Is it your job to convict people of sin?
0: Let, let me ask that again. Let's, let's get some response. Is it your job to convict people of sin? No. It's not. And I'm so glad it's not. I'm so glad it's not. If you get anything today, just hear, give God's love. Give God's love. There's an old evangelist uh, back in the 1800s. It's a name that you may recognize. uh, D.L. Moody. This guy was amazing. I mean, thousands and thousands of people that he, he would lead to the Lord and just do these amazing things. Well, he had this deal that he resolved that every day he would lead someone to the Lord think about that for a second. Every day, he's going to lead someone to the Lord. I think about that, and I'm like, holy cow, what would I do? There's a story that he uh, late at night, he went to lay down in bed, and he actually just realized, I didn't lead someone to the Lord. For most of us, we'd say, you know what, 364 times a year, we're doing good. We're fine. One day we can let it slide. Not for Mr. Moody. Pastor Moody, he gets up. He goes. He's walking the streets late at night. <laughs> I, I just picture Like I said, I love picturing things in my mind. He's just walking the streets. sees some woman over here, which, you know, hopefully she wasn't carrying a weapon or something because that would freak
1: me out. She comes up, starts talking to her. Leads this woman to God. Yeah, he could have stayed in bed. But if he did that, one lady
0: could have spent eternity in hell. And I'm not sitting there saying all of you need to go out and do this. Well, maybe you should, but I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, is that You can go out and talk to people. You can plant the seed. See, it was funny. One of his friends found out about this little plan of his, and he comes up to him. He says, you know, it's a great idea. I love your thought behind this. He says, it's so great to think that, but how is it even possible? How is it possible? How can you have that opportunity to talk to someone every day?
1: He's like, I think it's so unrealistic. Dale Moody's response, it will, talking about the opportunity, it will if you keep in touch with God and keep your eyes open for opportunity. Today, all you have to do is plant a seed. Does that mean you're
0: going to get rejected? Yes. Does that mean someone's probably going to say something mean, nasty to you? Probably. But you know what that also means? It means you planted a seed that later on can sprout. See, my life, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't. I remember one time in my life, our neighbor invited me to a VBS, the only VBS I ever went to. I was probably seven. I think, maybe six or seven. I remember that VBS to this day. It was awesome. They took my Polaroid picture. I had like this passport thing and I was going around and getting stamps on my passport. It was so cool. That family planted a seed within me. I had grandmothers
1: that were praying for me. See, my grandfather was a preacher. They were praying for me. They were planting seeds. That's all we can do. We cannot lead people to
0: Christ. We can can lead them to Christ, but we cannot get them saved. Let me rephrase that. I totally butchered that. We cannot get people saved, but you can plant the seed. You can plant the seed. Now, as the worship team come ons up here, come ons up here, man.
1: I'm on a whole nother level today. I want to challenge you guys. Today
0: has been really in your face. I'm not going to lie. It's been very
1: blunt. But I say it out of love. Because I look out and I pray, God, God, Show me people the way that you see them. Help me look past, not just their outward features, but help me look past the sin that's in them. So what I'd like to do is I want to ask you two questions. And I just want you to be honest with yourself. Is right where you're sitting.
0: Do you need to see people the way that Jesus does? It's so easy for us to look and write people off. I've done it. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not above that. We judge people. But if you're sitting there, you're like, Pastor Jason, I do. I want to see people. I wanna, I want to see the heart within a person. I want to see what you can do within somebody. I just need help to see that. If that's you without. Really, without anyone looking around, this is just some private moment with you and God. If you'd like to have that help, just slip your hand up and put it down. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is just between you and God right now. And you can put your hands down. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, Pastor Jason, I've never prayed for an opportunity to share about Christ but I would love to. I need to. I need to do a better job of that. If that's you, just just slip your hand up and put your hand down. Jesus, I just thank you so much for everyone that's here today. God, we know you came to this earth and you died for sinners.